The covenant that God made with Adam didn't just affect Adam. It affected all mankind. We were in him when he fell. His fall is our fall. If you have an issue with this, then you're going to have an issue with how we're saved. Welcome to the Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fox Den. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about salvation, but I'm going to do so from a different angle. Now, before you get concerned, salvation is by God's grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ alone. So when I look at salvation from a different angle, I'm not talking about something different than salvation by grace alone through faith alone, in Christ alone. But before I do this, we have to look at our need to be saved. Now, I've done it many times in past episodes, but I'm going to do it again here. We have to begin in Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 1, God created all things. Then Genesis chapter 2 focuses on the creation of man. We see that God created Adam, and he puts him in a garden. And he tells him that he can eat from any tree of the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in the day that he eats of it, he will surely die. And we see that in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. And then in Genesis chapter 3, we see a serpent coming into the garden, and he tempts Eve to eat the fruit. She eats, then she gives Adam the fruit, and he eats. That's the fall of mankind. Now, what you have to know here is that Adam sinned on your behalf. He is our representative. In other words, we're guilty in Adam. And there are two things I want to mention to support my point. First, every person following Adam, with the exception of Jesus Christ, is sinful. Other than Jesus, not a single person is perfect. You see this on display every day. Just drive down the freeway and see how people behave. They do so because they're sinful. I find it interesting that people will cut you off for their own convenience. And do you realize what they're doing? They're elevating themselves. They consider themselves more important than you. You see, their convenience is more important. Or all you have to do is watch the news and see many terrible things that happen. Or just reflect on your own life. And you can see your own sin. Every single human being, with the exception of Jesus Christ, is sinful. Second, Paul tells us that sin and death came through Adam. And he tells us that in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. There he says that sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin. You see, sin came in through Adam. And all mankind is sinful. Now, one place that we can go to see if this is actually true is Genesis chapter 4. There we see Cain, Adam's oldest son, kills Abel, his other son. Where did Cain get the idea of killing? Well, it comes from his sinful heart. Where did he get his sinful heart? From Adam. So we are guilty in Adam. Adam's sin is our sin. And we are fallen because he fell. He is our representative in the Garden of Eden. His failure is our failure. Now, this isn't a new theological idea. For example, the Heidelberg Catechism, which was written in 1563, addresses this. Question 6 asks, Did God create man so wicked and perverse? And it answers by saying, No, God created man good and in his own image, that is, in true righteousness and holiness, so that he might truly know God, his Creator, love him with all his heart, and live with God in eternal happiness for his praise and glory. Then question seven asks, then where did man's corrupt nature come from? 
And it answers by saying, from the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. This fall has so poisoned our nature that we are all conceived and born in sin. So what question seven is getting at is that we get our sinful nature from Adam and Eve. Adam was our representative, and sin entered through Adam. He is our representative. We are guilty because of him. His sin has affected all of us. Now again, we tend not to like this. Many people think it's not fair that we're sinful because of another man's sin. But we all sin by our own willingness. So we're all guilty by our own sin, first in Adam, but also because of our own sin, which we commit willingly. Now let's look at the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And it was written in 1648. Question 12 asks, what special act of providence did God exercise toward man in the estate wherein he was created? And it answers by saying, when God had created man, he entered into a covenant of life with him upon condition of perfect obedience, forbidding him to eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil upon pain of death. And then question 13 asks, did our first parents continue in the estate wherein they were created? And it answers by saying, Our first parents, being left to the freedom of their own will, fell from the estate wherein they were created by sinning against God. So let me just recap questions 12 and 13. Question 12 is saying, When God created Adam, he made a covenant with him. And he told them that he would die if he ate the forbidden fruit. Question 13 is saying that they ate the forbidden fruit by their own free will. Now let me skip to question 15. What was the sin wherein our first parents fell from the estate wherein they were created? And it answers by saying, The sin whereby our first parents fell from the estate wherein they were created was their eating the forbidden fruit. And now question 16. Did all mankind fall in Adam's first transgression? And it answers by saying, The covenant being made with Adam, not only for himself, but for his posterity. All mankind descending from him by ordinary generation sinned in him and fell with him in his first transgression. So the point that question 16 is getting at is that Adam was our representative. The covenant that God made with Adam didn't just affect Adam. It affected all mankind. But notice what it says concerning Christ. All mankind descending from him by ordinary generation. You see, even this is excluding Jesus Christ without naming Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was conceived in the Virgin Mary. So we are guilty of violating God's holy law because Adam sinned against him, and Adam was our representative. When he sinned against God, we sinned against God. We were in him when he fell. His fall is our fall. And again, this brings up Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Sin entered through one man, and death through sin. Now here's the proof that you and I are sinful. Every human being will die. And the reason why we die is because we're sinful. And we sin because we're fallen in Adam. He is our representative in the Garden of Eden. And as our representative, he failed on our behalf. And we are condemned before God because of Adam's sin. You're guilty in Adam. You continue to add to your guilt every day by your own sins, but you're guilty in Adam. Now, many people don't like that we are fallen and sinful because one man represented us in the Garden of Eden. 
And they say, that's not fair. It's not fair that I'm guilty because of that guy. Well, I have a couple things to say at this point. First, it doesn't matter if you think it's fair or not. It is what it is. Second, it is fair because God is good, right, and just. And third, if you have an issue with this, then you're going to have an issue with how we're saved. You see, we're fallen by representation and we're saved by representation. Now, let me point out three things to support my position. And first, we're going to take a look at justification. And if we go to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 33, it asks, what is justification? And it answers by saying, justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. And at this point, I want to focus on imputation. Now, in theological circles, we talk about three imputations. And the first is Adam's sin is imputed to us. And second, our sins are imputed to Christ. And third, Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. And that's what this is talking about. The righteousness of Christ imputed to us. So, His righteousness is imputed to you, or credited to you, or put to your account. You see, this isn't your righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness that God sees because he put it in your account. You see, Christ was your representative when it comes to salvation. He was your representative perfectly obeying the law. He was your representative dying on the cross. Because Jesus perfectly obeyed the law of God, He is righteous. And question 33 is saying that righteousness is put to your account. That is imputed to you. And you didn't earn it. You don't receive it by working for it. It is received by faith alone. By believing that you're a sinner. By believing that Jesus is the only sufficient sacrifice. That Jesus is the only sufficient means for your salvation. That faith is the key to receiving the righteousness of Christ. Second, I want to take a look at Romans chapter 6, and there Paul says that your baptism is a sign that you've been united to Christ. Now, in the end of chapter 5, Paul says that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And then in verse 1 of chapter 6, he asks a rhetorical question. Should we keep sinning so that grace abounds? And he answers that question for you. By no means. And the reason why is because we have died to sin How can we live in it any longer? We can't live in sin because we died to it. Well, what do you mean we died to it? Baptism. He's asking them, don't you realize that when you were baptized, you were baptized into his death? And then look at what he says in verse 4. We were buried with him by baptism into death. It doesn't mean that we were buried along with him. We were united to him. Your baptism is a sign that you have been united to Christ and you were buried with him. His death is your death. But then look at what he says in verse 5. If we've been united to Christ in his death, then certainly we're going to be united with him in a resurrection like his. Do you see that? United. We have been united to Christ. His perfect life is your perfect life. His death is your death. His resurrection is your resurrection. You see, Jesus was your representative, perfectly obeying the law of God, dying the death you deserve, rising from the dead. Do you know what that means? 
you too will rise from the dead. And that's what Paul's saying here in Romans chapter 6, verse 5. So when God saved you, he united you to Christ. Jesus did all the work, not you. You're not even a partner with him. You're not working with him in your salvation. He did the work, not you. You simply benefited because God united you to him by faith. So again, everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you because you've been united to him. And all of this, by the grace of God alone, his life is your life. His obedience is your obedience. His death is your death. His resurrection is your resurrection. He is your representative. And he did all that was required for you in order to save you. And the third thing I want us to see here is something that is tied to union. And that is that Paul uses a positional phrase, in Christ. Now, this isn't some metaphor. He's talking position. It's actually a term of location. So, for example, as I record this episode, I'm in my house. It's a position in the house. Just in looking in Ephesians alone, Paul uses the phrase in Christ or in him more than 20 times. So, just to give you a couple samples... In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, he blessed us in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, he seated us in Christ in the heavenly places. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, we were once far off, but now in Christ we are brought near. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, the eternal promise is realized in Christ. The phrase in Christ is positional. You can actually think of this as being inside of him. You're in him. Now, obviously not physically. We're speaking spiritually. But because we are in Christ, his perfect life is our life. His death is our death. His resurrection is our resurrection. Jesus Christ is our representative. And he saved us because he did all that was required to be justified with God. So in this short review, not only do we see that we are fallen by representation, but we are saved by representation. And this is an important concept for us to understand. We tend to think that God saves us when we do good works. We tend to think that we can get kicked out of the kingdom when we do bad things. But even when we do those bad things, those were punished in Christ 2,000 years ago. Now, this isn't a license for us to go and do evil. On the contrary, Christ has done all the work for our salvation. Now we're called to do good works, not to be saved, but because we're kingdom people. You see, we tend to think that we have to do good works to appease God. It's not the point. If you're in Christ, you can't be out of Christ. God is not going to kick you out of Jesus. He is the one who brought you in. He is the one who united you to Christ. God is the one who did the work by his grace alone. He's not going to remove you because you sinned. But the fact that God is gracious is not a license to sin. We do good works, but we're not saved because we do good works. We're saved because we're in Christ. And he did all that was required for salvation. You see, you can't do good works perfectly in order to be saved. You're already guilty in Adam 
You can't be unguilty. The only thing that can happen is being united to Christ and depend on his work for your salvation. Christ obeyed perfectly on our behalf. So when you think you're in danger of losing your salvation because you haven't done enough good works, remember, God saved you in Christ. Jesus represented you in his perfect life, on the cross, and at his resurrection. All that belongs to him belongs to you. That concludes this episode. If you have any questions, please email me at terry at thefoxdenjournal.com. If you enjoy The Fox Den, please leave a positive review and share this podcast with others. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. The Fox Den is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Thanks for listening. And remember, faith comes by hearing.